And sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On that day as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind and the sea, and said to it, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Do you not care? The words kind of jump off the page when you read them. The apostles have that very raw outcry to Jesus in the midst of what's described as this sudden, violent storm emerging that has just as quickly summoned up fears of their safety and security, questions about how they found themselves in this situation, why weren't they protected from such crises after leaving everything behind to follow Jesus, maybe even doubts about Jesus himself. Up until this point in Mark's gospel, things had been utterly amazing. They had heard God the Father's voice from the heavens calling Jesus his beloved son as John the Baptist baptized him in the Jordan. They had witnessed Jesus exercise a demon Simon Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a potentially deadly fever is immediately healed and brought to full health just by Jesus grabbing her hand. That moments later, she gets up from her sickbed and starts cooking and providing hospitality for Jesus. No doubt she was Italian. Jesus cleanses leprosy, restores a paralytic unable to walk, and another whose hand had been withered all things that in the normal course of affairs never happened and still don't to people suffering from these predicaments. People being told that their sins were forgiven and experiencing divine mercy in a personal, intimate way that they had never experienced before. These weren't just things that the apostles had heard about. They had witnessed and experienced for themselves what happened in each of those experiences. The movement from life being ordinary with its burdens and its worries and its anxieties to immediately being transformed by Jesus' word and presence. Yet now, as they're in this boat traveling at night, 
on a sea surrounded by mountains, making the darkness seem even more ominous than ever, with this deadly squall unexpectedly rising. All those memories of those experiences seem like ancient history. How can Jesus be asleep? Shouldn't he know what's happening? Why didn't he prevent this? Why isn't he doing anything to help us? Jesus, do you not care? We might not be on an open sea. We may have never traveled by a boat. Yet more than likely, every one of us can relate to these thoughts and feelings. We're moving along in life and we find ourselves confronted with difficulties in the family. A son is struggling with abusing drugs. A daughter is suffering from an eating disorder. A health crisis emerges for a parent. We get a bad diagnosis from the doctor. There's talk of downsizing and positions being cut at work. A loved one who has died leaves an absence that no, time is not healed. Not that things were perfect before any of these events. Life can be chaotic on a good day. But we were able to manage. We had gotten used to those ordinary challenges. And as we were busy attending to them, we didn't notice clouds were building. We didn't see that the seas were getting choppy. And without warning, we find ourselves feeling overwhelmed. Like we're going to capsize. We're going to drown. It could be somewhat comforting to know that Jesus' innermost circle were saying something that we might hesitate to say ourselves out of a respect. Yet interiorly, we wonder, Jesus, do you not care? Jesus waking first performs an even more amazing miracle than they have witnessed up to this point so far. The effects of forgiving sins is invisible and beyond at least empirical proof. Cures can be dismissed as merely a psychological thing, even though it's kind of hard to write off leprosy and paralysis being cured, as well as a withered hand being made whole. But our rational, logical minds try to explain away such things. But commanding the sea and the wind to quiet, be still, that defies any explanation. It's unprecedented. It's leaving them somewhat even more scared than they were during the storm. And Jesus then answers their question with questions. Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? You can hear the shock and the wonder and the awe of the moment for the apostles as they say, who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? While at the same time, they never do answer Jesus' questions. And that's probably where the ability to relate with the apostles kind of ends for us. The immediacy of, of nature being tamed by the miraculous presence of Jesus seems remote and distant from our experiences. What are we to make of the storms of our lives? Where is Jesus? We're still left asking Jesus, do you not care? A few months ago, all the, the students from the Catholic campus ministry in the Archdiocese of Newark had a retreat that was based on this gospel passage. And one of the talks given by a crowd favorite here, Father Bill Sheridan, introduced a, a letter that was written by St. Therese of Lisieux, who's affectionately known 
as the little flower. And she wrote this to her younger sister, Celine. Celine had been wrestling with both the inconsolable grief over the loss of her father, and at the same time, she was at a loss about questions about what to do with her life. What was her vocation? And Celine felt lonely and scared. And she was overwhelmed and struggling and didn't know what to make of all these feelings and the seeming absence of Jesus from her life. And that's when St. Therese wrote her, citing this gospel. She writes, My Celine is all alone in the little boat. The land has disappeared from her eyes. She doesn't know where she's going, whether she's advancing or she's going backwards. She's on the open sea, and the boat carrying her is advancing with full sails toward the port. And the rudder, which Celine cannot even see, is not without a pilot. Jesus is there, sleeping as in days gone by, in the boat of the fishermen of Galilee. He's sleeping, and Selene does not see him, for night has fallen on the boat. Selene does not hear the voice of Jesus. The wind is blowing, she hears it. She sees the darkness, and Jesus is always sleeping. However, if he were to awaken only for an instant, he should only command the wind and the sea, and there would be a great calm. The night would become brighter than day. Celine would see the divine glance of Jesus, and her soul would be consoled. But Jesus, too, would no longer be sleeping, and he's so fatigued. His divine feet are tired from going after sinners, and in Celine's boat, Jesus is sleeping so peacefully. The apostles had given him a pillow. That gospel gives us this detail. But in this boat, our Lord finds another pillow, much softer. Celine's heart. There, he forgets all because he's at home. It's not a stone which supports his divine head, that stone for which he longed for during his mortal life. It's the heart of a child. It's the heart of a spouse. Oh, how happy Jesus is. But how can he be happy while his spouse is suffering? While she watches during the time he's sleeping so peacefully, does he not know that Selene sees only the night, that his divine face remains hidden from her? And even at times, the weight she feels on her heart seems heavy to her. What a mystery. Be sure, dear Selene, that your boat is on the open sea, already perhaps very close to port. The wind of sorrow that pushes it is the wind of love, and that is swifter than lightning. For so many of us, the struggle is that we have our hearts and our minds fixed on what it is we want or we need in the moment. So a storm comes up, and we think, if it were gone, then, then what? We would be right where we were at the moment before those winds blew, those seas stirred, and that crisis emerged. But God is always working something new within us. He's never done 
with us. He's constantly calling us to new horizons, which from time to time takes us out of our comfort, the comfort of our ordinary lives, ultimately to being in union with him. The faith that Jesus is asking about is whether we can appreciate the intimacy of his presence with us. That we can get to a place of confidence and trust where we don't allow the winds to distract us or the waves to frighten us or the storms to cause us to forget that he's there in our boat. He the one whom even the wind and sea obey. He's there. He's there resting his head on your heart, on my heart, on our hearts. And we have not a shadow of a doubt that Jesus does care.